Hi, I'm Mike Sibley, leader of the James Moore Manufacturing Team. On this episode of More on Manufacturing, we're joined by Marie Monet, James Moore's Director of Business Intelligence and Data Analytics. Prior to joining James Moore, Marie was with Nextera Energy, Florida Power and Light, as a director in their tax technology group with a focus on implementing tools and technologies to support the organization in the areas of process automation and analytics. She has worked with organizations in a variety of industries from manufacturing, technology, energy, and healthcare. So on today's episode, we're actually welcoming Marie back. She was with us uh, last year. To We took a real kind of a light dive into it uh, prior to that. On this episode, we're actually going to take a deeper dive into the world of business intelligence and data analytics and how having this information really at your fingertips is critical to your business success. And uh, really, as we dig in a little bit further, Marie's going to show some actual um, data analytics, some some charts and some other things on how you can have this information at your fingertips. So perhaps viewing this on a phone or a small tablet may be a little bit difficult, but uh, at any point, you can always take a bigger look at, at it on your computer screen. But at any rate, uh, let's welcome Marie in and why don't we jump right into kind of re- t- bring us back first, remind us what this even is, what business intelligence and data analytics is a lot, big word and, you know, big sure. bunch of words there. So let's it's, talk to base. It's a very long title. It's a tongue twister. So basically, Mike, thanks for having me on again. Time flies when you're having fun. I can't believe it's already been uh, over a year, but I'm always excited to talk to you about data and analytics and business intelligence. And basically, simply said, it's just enabling businesses to use the data that they already have to make better business decisions, to be more informed on what's going on within their operations and be, be able to become more strategic based on historical information. And then we're getting into some really exciting sort of future looking predictive um, type type of analytics. So it's just using data to make decisions. That's all. Maybe expand on a little bit, but like you said, data they already have. I think that's probably the thing that maybe a lot of organizations, manufacturers may or may not, you know, I know in the manufacturing world, data is just so important. And Mm -hmm. I think, one of the things to really make sure everybody understands is oftentimes there's a lot more data available than they might even realize, I guess. Yeah, I think people fail to realize sometimes that data is really their, one of their biggest assets, right? We don't really quantify it. Um, you know, it's not showing up on the financial statements per se. You know, there's no line item for you know data information on your, your assets, but it's huge because it really does provide a window into what's going on operationally to determine is your organization healthy. And I think people fail to realize just how much data is at their fingertips because Sometimes, right, systems don't talk well to one another, or it's hard sometimes to get data, you know, from the front end, you know, you're running 800 reports, you're trying to reformat them. There's a lot of technology out there today that enables us to kind of go into the back of a system or the back of a cloud-based solution to pull information out. And then, you know, we have to do some data engineering sometimes to make it make sense and to to Mm -hmm. standardize across different platforms. But I think that's just a big gap people don't realize how much uh, of an asset they have until they start to, you know, peel back the onion. And then it's just, you know, pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty impressive. I think what they find. Yeah. I think, I I think that's one of the things that really impressed me. A lot of accounting systems, inventory systems, they all use a pretty basic database setup, usually in the background. Mm -hmm. 
that's actually very accessible in a lot of, in most situations. And it's being able to take that. And I think that's one of the things I want to make sure that everyone understands first and foremost is that any set of accounting systems is just backed up by a database. And it's a matter of understanding how the database is set up so you can get what you need out of it. But there's also all the Excel. And I've got a number of clients who use Excel information where they're hand keying and sometimes even taking information out of that and combining with information that Mm -hmm. is in your databases, your accounting systems can really do a lot of great things. Absolutely. I mean, SQL was one of the first languages I learned, right? Which is just about how do you query a database? How do you determine, you know, what the table structure is and and how do those tables talk to one another so you can actually produce something that's meaningful? Because, you know, it's sort of, you don't create those right relationships. You're not really getting out the, the data that you anticipate. And so I think it's always this marriage, right? We're not going to get away from Excel. It's too, too, maybe sometime in the future, but not probably anytime soon. It's flexible. It's nimble. You can do, you know, forecasting and analysis. You can put numbers together quickly. And so the goal is you might still be capturing information in Excel. You know, when we think about predictive analytics for like, you know, machine failures or something, we might need to capture some data in Excel in a spreadsheet in a table to be able to then marry that with some other operational or financial system. And that's okay, right? And the goal is what we do is we, we work to create those relationships so we can tell the story, right. you know, of, of what's actually happening. So Excel's not going anywhere. We, we, we will still, we still use it and our clients will still use it. And maybe someday there'll be something, but yeah, for, yeah. for all intents and purposes, it's here to stay. And so we work with it, right? We work with it as we need to, to, to tell the whole story. Right. So, and, and you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but, you know, let's dig into a little bit more for manufacturers and why this is so important for manufacturers. And we talked about having the data data available, but, you know, let's dig in a little bit more so, you know, because manufacturers have different data sets that they need to look at versus maybe an engineering company or maybe a healthcare or technology, whatever it might be. Well, you know, in the last couple of years, the the supply chain issues are are very significant, right? So for our manufacturers, it's the products coming in and it's products going out and it's, you know, holding and managing inventory. You know, you don't want a bunch of inventory sitting in your warehouse. You want to get to that sort of utopia of just in time, right? I'm I'm not paying to store all this surplus. I'm not worried about obsolete inventory. So I think for for our manufacturers, it's, it's really important. They have to be able to kind of watch the entire life cycle, what's coming in, what's their raw material. Right, the actual production, actual versus planned production costs, what's going on with their labor, and then how are they turning that inventory? Right, are they healthy? Is it is it is it moving? Is it stagnant? What's going on? And so I think what we've done is we're going to show some examples here today, and just just as a fair warning, right, these are like extreme examples, so it wouldn't <laughs> be our hope that this would be happening to anyone out there, right? But but just for visit, you know, viewability purposes, we made some pretty extreme cases so that you could see you know, some of the information you might be able to garner and when we're bringing the data together to, to make sort of quick decisions and determine what's happening, right? Yeah, so uh, anybody out there trying to audit any of this data is not going to make sense. So, uh, but, you know, drive home the point on the importance of, you know, the data and you think about, you know, you mentioned supply chain and mm-hmm. a lot of manufacturers now are trying to stock up more on things than they would in the past because they're afraid that they're going to run low, they're going to run out, they won't be able to get it. But then when you combine that with a workforce and a workforce that might be shifting, in other words, turnover, and yeah. when you have turnover, you have training, when you have training, you have the potential for more waste, 
More waste means you're using up more raw materials. And so all of this comes into saying we need to be able to make sure that we can put our fingers on what exactly is happening as fast as possible so we don't run into so we can mitigate any of those kind of problems in that example. So, you know, to me, this drives drives into uh, all of those issues even more so and now even more important than ever. So I guess why don't we, um, you know, yeah. Let's Jump into in. some examples that that, you, that that you've got for us. So we've got, you know, we're, we're looking at some interesting revenue and cost of goods sold trends here, right? Not not doing well. Something happened in, uh, you know, tail end of 2022 that sort of sent things into a little bit, little bit of a spin. If we were to just kind of dig down here in 2022, right? Our inventory turnover ratio has gone pretty far down. Our margins pretty far up far down and it's like well what in the world now again we say this kind of with a grain of salt the expectation isn't that your your cost of goods sold exceeds your revenue that would that would be that would be bad i think some some serious sales write downs going going on here right so yeah yeah serious sales write downs and maybe some major production issues that we were joking earlier about a chocolate um company that's in the middle of a lawsuit in there uh, we're able to to get something over the other competing manufacturer has to destroy their inventory, right? They can't sell it. So, you know, you could have something that's as big of a swing as this, but we, we wouldn't expect, expect this. But what this does do, right, is we're able to pull all this information in. You're able to sort of see those small variances, right? You're able to mm-hmm. see that trend analysis. And Mike, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, having multiple periods of information, especially what you see with, you know, your manufacturer seasonally or, you know, the cyclical nature of it and, and what something like this might be able to sort of highlight. Right. So I mean, when you look at it and of course, you know, like you, I love all this stuff. This is, this is, you know, so much information, but this, you know, when I look at this, this is a starting point of saying, okay, where are the what's happening, what's occurring, and allow me to then dig in a little bit deeper. So, you know, if, if you're looking at this and you look over the course of time, you see a spike in, you know, early in late 2020 and, okay, what's going on there? Then all of a sudden you start seeing this gradual increase in uh, COGS as in, in relation to sales. And right at that point, you're saying, okay, what's going on here? What's driving this? And really, hopefully, before you ever get to the point where it crisscrosses there, I know in our extreme example, but you're looking at this and and the reality is that this is a nice overview, but you're talking about having this, being able to dig down and having this kind of information at your fingertips uh, on a more real-time basis so you can see what's going on. Absolutely. Well, and I think as we talk about it, it's it's that ability to drill down that becomes so important. So mm-hmm. you look at the financial metrics and you say, hmm, something's starting, you know, not to go right. And I think, you know, our um, our companies have a, have a gut sense a lot of times, right? They've been in business for 15, 20, 30 years. And so they know something's not right, right? It's, the machine is not running quite the way it's expected. But making sure that in the data, we're able to then to drill down to the underlying components of it to really understand what might, you know, what might be deriving this. So just in this example, right, we had some planned production costs, we had some actual production costs, and we're noticing that there's some pretty specific overages happening. And we also kind of see that maybe there's some quality issues, you know, as we kind of go through and we say, okay, you know, why, why is this at 78.63%? What's, what's occurring here? And why aren't we kind of hitting our, you know, production metrics and what could be the underlying root cause of this. 
Right. And I'm, I'm thinking as I'm looking at this stuff going, you know, from a, from a manufacturing standpoint, your, your, your biggest costs are going to be generally your labor and mm. your raw materials. Right. And so right. either of those things are going off uh, in a wrong direction. You're going to want that information as soon as possible. And I think that's the thing here is, is this info, this type of chart, any of these kind of charts can be reorganized however we need it to be, mm-hmm. but it can be whatever interval we want it to be. So if, if this information is going in daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, we can get that information as daily. quickly as it's being in the system. Sure, absolutely. And when we talk about daily sort of with the advent of technology and how much data is just being produced, right? Just huge amounts of data. To the extent that we can get it daily, you can really become getting that shift from being reactive to proactive, right? Like if you have daily information and you're able to follow that line, you're going to be able to very quickly see, you know, when something's starting to, to fail or when, you know, there's, there's an underlying issue that needs to be addressed. So you're not waiting to the next quarter, right, to, to see what might have happened and then to try to trace it backwards. It really can be real time. Now, that, that takes some, some planning and, you know, we work to make sure that the data is coming in and the data is clean. But it, it really can um, be on a continuous cycle for sure. Well, and if you think about what a lot of manufacturers have available to them, they wait till the end of the month. The end of the month gets closed out and then hopefully sometime between 10 and 20 days uh, on a, you know, in a good situation, they're finding out how did the previous month go. And, you know, then you start realizing, oh, our cost of goods sold, what happened to material costs this month? And I would rather see those. I would rather know before you get to the end of the month that, hey, we've got to we got to address something right now. We're seeing it go off or we're seeing our labor or we're seeing uh other quality metrics uh, mm-hmm. that that they may be logging from, you know, the quality control process, uh, labor going up, waste going up, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. And, and to me, that's the that's the magic behind all this, so to speak, sure. is that it gives you what you need to know when you need to know it. And to me, I, I love going back. If we, if we go back just a second to the mm-hmm. first one that we were looking at. Um, to me, the when I look at this, I'm going, okay, this is the high level. We can, the high level can be any number of things. Mm-hmm. And you start with a high level and you say, okay, inventory, you know, things are in the green, okay. And then once you start seeing something go off, so you don't need 45 charts every no. single day because no. you can get the alarm system set up to be able to say, hey, something's going off the rail here. And then you look at it. Right. It's, it's working with our clients to understand like, what is their key performance indicators, right? Like what are their metrics? What are they looking at to determine whether something is going, like to your point, going off the rails, right? And let's catch it when it's, you know, 2% over instead of 25% over. Is it, is it labor? Is it due to a training issue or is it material cost? And maybe they have to go back and work with their vendors to try to get those material costs down because there's, there's issues there. So I think to your point, being able to catch it more real time is, is pretty critical. Right. So I think you have some other, you know, another one where it digs down even, you know, even deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when we think about, you know, manufacturing and we think about, you know, what, what is critical here, it's, you know, do we have late deliveries? How, how are we, how many days late are we on, you know, specific end products? How many incomplete orders do I have? Is that trending upwards? Again, we did this very simplistically, but we work 
to create visuals that are meaningful. But let's say, for instance, you know, I had an expectation that this was, you know, something's not quite right here. My actual production cost has exceeded my planned production cost, and I'm able to sort of bifurcate this by team, right? It's my yellow team that's responsible for this product. And I'm kind of looking at my employee count and I notice here I've got an anomaly, right? I've got an outlier. So what's happening here to employee 1058 that's causing this sort of degradation in performance? Maybe it was, to your point, it's a new employee, right? So we've got a potential training issue or perhaps this employee has been, been out and it's been ill and maybe we need to look to our other teams to sort of shore up um, right. you know, short of what's going on there. So I think to the extent that we find out what those metrics are, and then we work back backwards with our clients and say, do you have the data available? Because sometimes you might not be collecting the data, but it's an important question you have to answer. And so we can work to determine, okay, how are we going to start to collect this information so we can answer these questions and monitor these things? Uh, but I just think this gives you sort of that initial entry point into finding out you know, what what's happening and to be able to pinpoint it, right? Because you might have just be like, we have some general employee issues. Okay, well, which ones and, and mm -hmm. why? Is it related to a specific product? Is it related to a specific process that's mm -hmm. happening? Because maybe you do have training issues. And I think you've seen that probably a lot. I mean, I know that I've seen it kind of across industries in the last two years, right? It's 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 hard to keep talent, retain talent, find, you know, keep them doing the same thing, but find it right. And, and train people up. And it's just kind of a constantly moving cycle. I don't know if that's happening a lot, and, you know, with your client base. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely see it and it, it's, it, it, you know, when you, when you have that, there's all these hidden costs, right? When you have turnover, when you have training, when you have what there are hidden costs that are associated with that. And so being able to drill down and, and to your point, sometimes, companies just don't have the data available at that point in time, but sometimes it's really easy to make changes. Simple changes mm -hmm. can, can capture data. You know, you think about payroll, for example, uh, it may be just a matter of assigning people to a department, for example, and sure. then looking at things that way. There's, there's certainly ways to do that um, to capture. And the other thing that comes to mind is a lot of manufacturers, obviously, looking at lean and how they're able to you know, move mm -hmm. things through their processes. Having the right data is one of the critical factors to know what your throughput is, you know, where, how, you're, how you're measuring against what your expectations are. Uh, sure. you know, things like that. So, you know, this, having this kind of basic data available for the, not only management, the production team, uh, even, you know, I've seen plenty of pretty sophisticated manufacturing companies where you walk in, they've got TVs up on the wall and they're measuring how much is going through there. So everybody is complete transparency to every person on the floor, um, you know, how they're doing, where things are, maybe where things are getting held up. Cause one of the things you, you often want to know is where's our image, where's our, where's our backlog, where's our, you know, everything mm -hmm. backing up to, right? Mm -hmm. Something is getting in the way of pushing out and this can help identify those things. Absolutely. Right. And then you can determine, you know, what, what is that root cause issue? Is it a, is it a raw material issue? Is it a, to your point, an employee issue? Is it a machine issue, right? Like you have a machine mm -hmm. that's constantly breaking down. What, what is it that's, that's causing that? And I'm going to show something else here. I'm going to stop sharing for just a second so I can switch screens. But I think one of the things that we talk a lot about is, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but we're human, right? We're human. And that means that we only have so much capacity to draw correlations, figure out, mm -hmm. you know, what moves things. And I think what 
the advantage of having this data centralized is then we can start to use the machines, right? I feel like I'm like Terminator. Um, start to use the machines to be able to sort of piece out those, I call them like the golden nuggets of information, right? And, mm -hmm. and these insights because we can only go through, we, listen, our brains can only process so much. Let's be honest. I, I'd like right. to pretend that, you know, I can figure everything out, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And so let me just kind of walk you through this. Here's an example of just, now this, these aren't visualizations we've built, right? It's not visualizations we've built. We didn't even pull this out. This is machine learning. This is going through, it's looking at the underlying data and it's trying to draw conclusions based on the data, right? This item here has noticeably more runtime per item than the rest of the item. So then maybe I need to go and need to dig into that data. Um, these two areas have, you know, more amount of incomplete products. Okay. Well, maybe I've got something going, you know, going on there. This isn't even us training it, how to read the information. It's just going in and truly pulling it out to hmm. determine, you know, to give information, which might provide then sort of, like I say, like a pathway, right? It, it provides sort of like a glimmer of, oh, maybe I do, I do need to go look into that. Maybe there's something there that I'm not, you know, recognizing or realizing, Hmm. Yeah, that's and that's pretty interesting because that gets you into things you're not even thinking about at that point, like you said, is, and now it's popping up. And and of course, you know, you start putting these correlations together and then, you know, it gives you these insights into stuff that you can do something with. Maybe it doesn't mean something to you in your particular situation or at least maybe gives you a warning. So then how do we jump from that, though? You know, we talk about going getting these insights. Here's what's happened. How do we dovetail that into help me understand what's going, what might happen based on us getting into predictive analytics, which is kind of the sort of the, I don't know, the, the greatest piece of having all this data is saying, okay, with this, where are we going? Mike, I think that's a really, a really great point. You know, we want to be and enable our clients to be data-driven organizations, right? To really make decisions, sometimes on instinct, but then also on the underlying data. But we really want to get to this point of looking backwards, what happened to what is going to happen. Now, sometimes that is using historical information to be able to build these models to say, okay, we know things. So here's an example of supply chain predictive inventory analysis. Like, wouldn't it be wonderful to know that in March of 2023, based on five years of historical transactional data and maybe based on you know customer patterns that you're going to have an increase in um, you know orders of 10%. If you can get ahead of that and you can ramp up your production cycle, like what does that mean from a revenue um, mm -hmm. standpoint? And I'm sure that's things that you've seen, right? It's it's being able, you know, and I think some of this again goes to there's like a hunch. Like, oh, for the last five years, this happens, right? And so we probably need to increase by this amount. But when we can dig into the underlying data and we can sort of pull that out and we can build in these models based on a client's history. And then sometimes we even go outside of, of a client, right? We're, we're pulling in, you know, customer sentiment and we're, or we're pulling in, you know, other databases of information to marry, to say, you know, when, when these types of things happen, we either see, you know, upticks or we, you know, we should downshift, whatever, whatever that is. Is that something I, I think you've been, you know, working with our clients in this space for not forever, because you're not that old, but is it something that, you know, what's the value there to 
yeah, I think to predict that more. Yeah, I mean, right. when you when you think about it, you know, I, I look at it in two two buckets. Some some clients work off of uh, heavy backlog and have mm -hmm. consistent backlog. Others are not working off backlog. They've got orders coming in and you're right. There's some level of historical. So if you take, you know, orders coming in and not necessarily a, a straight backlog per se, you know, the questions that come to mind is, okay, what kind of seasonality? Well, how have the increases? What are the trends? And then you pull into that. What happens during timeframes with things like uh, pricing on steel or aluminum or other mm -hmm. things that are subject to kind of fluctuations and prices. And the big thing is then, okay, what, what are our sales going to look like? What are our raw material needs going to be? And what even is our labor needs going to be if these various things happen and allow the, mm -hmm. you know, the data to kind of tell us where this is going based on a combination of historical and outside information. Um, sure. And then when you look at it, you know, companies that have substantial backlog, okay, well, here's the backlog. What kind of raw material needs am I going to have? What kind of labor does this require? Typically, if I'm running out of waste of this, wh where are we looking? What kind of, you know, how do we need to be set up? And what do we need to be thinking about? How do we prepare our working capital? Because that's one of the important things that from a manufacturing standpoint, when you're ramping up your growth, you need working capital. And so well, what kind of working capital are, gonna be, are we going to need? And that gets into things like, okay, going back and talking to our bank and saying, hey, a line of credit of X is really what we're going to be able to need. So tying this in with our financial projections to not only understand our production side of things, but to also understand where this is going to bring us from a financial need standpoint and a financial mm -hmm. stand is, is, could be incredible. Well, I think it goes to that question, where is the, my next dollar best spent? Is mm -hmm. it best spent, you know, investing in machinery? Is it investing in employees, right? Is it R&D? You know, where, if I have all of these options and being able to say, you know, in that working capital, where should I be deploying this capital to? Like what's going to generate the most return on this investment? I think that's where these models are really getting to because it's really helping to, to, to shape where those dollars are going in a more, you know, meaningful and impactful way. I think... I hate to say that sometimes people are just really good at guessing, but it's true. Some people are just really good at guessing. And, and let's just say that that's their, their ability to kind of, they're running um, their own predictive, you know, model in their, in their mind's eye about, you know, where things should be going and, and they can be very successful in that. But I love to have the data behind it to prove it out, right. Or to highlight or uncover areas where, you know, it might not be so obvious to people or, you know, to our, to our leadership that that's really where we should be, you know, focusing our efforts. Well, I think you brought up a great point when, you know, we talk about labor a lot and we talk about raw materials, but when you talk about equipment mm -hmm. and you start looking at, okay, you know, what kind of machine hours are we going to need to be able to process the throughput to get to that level of sales? Do we have enough machinery? Do we need to look mm -hmm. at a second shift or a third shift possibly? Uh, you know, what right. are those kind of things? Because if we don't have enough machine hours and, and availability uh, within the timeframes that we operate right now, then mm -hmm. we might be in a stuck position as well. So pulling this in to say, okay, do we have the resources both from a, a labor hour standpoint, but also machine mm -hmm. hours? And that, and that can't be forgotten because I think a lot of times, you know, when, when companies are looking at projections of revenue and all that, 
kind of saying, okay, this plus 10% or we're going to go up, but, but not necessarily looking at, okay, what is the type of product that's driving our growth? What is the need for that type of product? Cause you could have a product growth that has some special machine requirements, some welding, some labor usages, other things that we just don't have capacity for. And we need to actually plan for that. And if we think that's coming in in March of next year, that means we got mm-hmm. several months to start really preparing. So how do we prepare at that? How do we use this data to start preparing for that? And to use that to make sure that we don't get in. I've seen plenty of companies run up and then run right into a wall because right. they cannot produce anymore. And then the backlog starts happening and, you know, you get customer complaints, you're missing order mm-hmm. deadlines and all that kind of stuff. So this well, could be incredible. I think that goes to predictive maintenance as well. So I think, you know, building out those models where we're able to help guide companies to take those, you know, repair logs and say, you know, machine A historically goes down the third quarter every single year because, you know, you, you aren't doing, you know, these key things to ensure that it's, you know, continuously running. And sometimes we're able to, to bring in that data so that it can, again, we're trying to get to proactive instead of reactive. We don't want it to be down for two days, right? While right. we're waiting on a technician to repair it. We want to try to get ahead of it be proactive about the repairs that we're making because we see it, right? It'll, it'll be in that data. And sometimes that comes, again, from an employee who's been there for 15 years. And it's like, oh, it's coming again. Like, yep. I, I hear that noise, right? Like, something's not, you know, working correctly. But we can also use the data to highlight that and, and help companies, you know, stay up and functional uh, longer and, you know, just be better overall. Yeah. Well, Marie, thank you so much for going through all this. It's a lot of information in a, in a short amount of time, but I think seeing the visuals gets us to really understand, you know, just the power, especially when you get into some of the machine learning stuff. I mean, that, that to me is like a whole nother level of crazy that, that, you know, with having that kind of data. So thank you so much for joining us today and uh, appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. And thanks for everybody who's listened and, uh, Uh, Please, as always, if there's any questions on this or we can help clarify or help you understand a little better, please feel free to reach out. To learn more about James Moore & Company's manufacturing services, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our More on Manufacturing series to receive updates when new videos and podcasts are released. If you'd like to be a guest or if there's a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, contact us on our website. You can also follow us on social media for more news as the landscape on manufacturing continues to rapidly evolve.